Hello, and welcome to episode seven of the Cabbage Podcast, produced by Church at Bowling Green in Kentucky, USA. I'm Kenan Ballou, a cradle Christian seeking to find wisdom in the Holy Scriptures. And I'm Lee Folks, uh, also a Christian. I'm a LCSW and uh, uh, work at uh, Potter Children's Home here in Bowling Green. I don't know if you need to know that or not. Um, in this season of the podcast, we are, are spending time each week meditating on uh, Psalms, especially as it um, inevitably relates to the uh, COVID-19 crisis that we, I'll, I'll get my plug in for that this week. Um, this uh, podcast is brought to you by Lysol, but um, no, we're uh, really spending some time focusing on Psalms and um, each week taking one Psalm and really kind of meditating on that, spending time on that. And so uh, this week we are discussing Psalm 146, which I have, have really enjoyed. I, I've really enjoyed this whole, this whole study actually, Ken. And I, I, I know we started talking about this several months ago before the, before the um, coronavirus thing happened, but um, I've really enjoyed this, but anyway, sorry. Uh, let's uh, let's start with a prayer, and then we'll um, jump into Psalm 146. God, I want to um, just ask your blessing on this time together, um, as Ken and I discuss the words of um, the words of David and uh, the Psalm, and we try to apply it to our lives, try to learn more about you and your heart for your people, and uh, we pray for uh, your continued blessings on us as we seek you. And uh, I pray that you bless the, the conversation today and those who will hear it, that they will be encouraged in some way to seek you more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how have you been, Lee? I've been good, Ken. And I, I've been um, just been continuing to, you know, as we were talking earlier, just starting to get back into the swing of things a little bit at work, but, um, but still uh, trying to take it easy a little bit, trying to... Um, you know, just kind of make it a day at a time. How about you guys? Uh, it's been challenging in some ways, but it's also been good. The, I think my wife's still going a little stir crazy. I'm still doing fine. The nature's really been blooming. Everything's really growing great. We've spent a lot of time in our garden, and uh, it's just great. Yeah, have you gotten anything in your garden yet? Oh, yeah. We've been uh, harvesting kale and some lettuce. We have some broccolis growing. And wow. we planted a bunch more stuff, and we're about to start planting more. Our beans are shooting up. That's cool. I don't know how many months it'll take to harvest them, but they're they're growing great. So yeah, yeah, that's cool. Well, that's good. Well, um, so um, Psalm one forty six. We're gonna um, just kind of jump into it. Assume everybody that's listening has has read it. If not, you can pause here and read through Psalm one forty six. We're not gonna read it again because we read it last last time. Um, and I guess Ken and my for me especially the beginning part of this. Um, you asked me a question a couple episodes ago, and then you asked me again last episode um, about praise. And um, as I was reading this, I was like, oh man, Kenan's going to ask me about praise again. I'm going to have to answer that question. Um, and, and I was really started thinking about that, and it struck me, and I, I may be wrong about this, but it, verse 1, well, verse, verse 1, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, O my soul. I, I wondered if... The focus of that is not on the praise. You know, we we tend to focus on what we do. And so I read praise the Lord and I think, oh, what do I do to praise the Lord? I need to praise the Lord more. And I just started thinking, especially in the context of the rest of the psalm, I wonder if the focus of this is not on the praise, but on who we praise. If the focus is on praise the Lord, as opposed to 
um, verse three, princes are mortal man. Um, it, it just kind of occurred to me that we, we are going to praise and give credit to someone for the things that go on in our lives and how much often more ourselves, right? Well, yeah, ourselves or the people around, you know, the, the government or, you know, whatever. Um, but how much more important is that we, that we praise and trust God as opposed to all those other things? Well, that seems to be a deep insight to me in, in this. It makes sense why then each section of this is really focusing on something else that the Lord did or does. It makes a lot of sense to me. And that could really explain why he, the, the psalmist here, which I don't think we really know who wrote this one. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. I said David in my prayer, so I'm hoping that's right. But um, some of these different sections, I, I, I think that's a really deep insight for the, the whole psalm. Are, are these in any sections? I mean, I see there's one that kind of talking about the, the trust in princes or mortal government, then focusing on the help of Jacob and then transitioning to talking about creating the earth. And then you have all these things that the Lord does. Are there any particular ones there that really spoke to you more than others? Um, you know, I tried to spend time thinking about each of the, are you talking about the things in verse seven and following the, all the different, or oh, no, right, you're yeah. talking about all of it. Um, yeah, well, we spent some time last time talking about God's creation. So I, I felt like that we kind of covered that. Um, here's, here's my, I, I don't know. Let me see if I can answer that question this way. I, I started thinking about this, this contra, this contrast between trusting in princes and immortal man, which I love the phrase. And I think I said this last time that, um, his spirit depart, he returns to the earth, and in that very day, his thoughts perish, or one of the versions says his plans perish um, when he dies. Thinking about all the things that um, earthly leaders do, um, they have plans, they have ideas, they have thoughts, and and but when they die, those things are gone. I mean, you might could talk about what they did, but there's there's um, the, those things are just disappeared. Um, but then the contrast, but God being forever, he keeps faith forever in verse six. Um, and I just thought that contrast was really good. But then thinking about how, and obviously the other context of this, we're in an election year, um, and I'm not going to get into all that necessarily, but the politicians making promises about what all they're going to do and trying to get your vote and the, the things that they want to, um, they want to, to, to promise you. Um, but God, the, the description of God here is executing justice for the oppressed, giving food to the hungry, set the prisoner free, open the eyes of the blind. I mean, all these things that are, are reaching out to the people who are the least of these, which of course we see in Jesus life when he comes, um, and how he relates to people as well. Uh, the, what you said about the the on the very day that the, the leader dies, his plans perish. That reminds me. Have you ever heard of the poem Ozymandias from um, Percy Bysshe Shelley? It's from like the late or the uh, early eighteen hundreds. I'm going to go on a limb and say no. Really, it's a great poem. It's one of my favorites. Not very long. It's it's a sonnet or something. I'm not going to read it here, but uh, uh, look it up. It's Ozymandias, and it just talks about the you know, very. 18th century English kind of way about a sculpture of this great king, but all that's left is these two shattered legs like sitting there. And it's really kind of talking about this, this, uh, 
this king who thought he was going to reign forever and he looked across his great land and, you know, a couple hundred years later, all that's left is just like the broken ankles of the statue. Hmm. You know, it, um, this is much less academic, Kenan, because I'm not that smart. But um, I, uh, this, the thing I thought of with this, um, it, so I, I mentioned earlier, see, this is relevant. I work at Potter Children's Home. We had a guy from the state come back in October who was in charge of this doing faith-based initiatives throughout the state. And we took him on a tour of our campus and he put a picture of us on his website, on, on his social media. And it was this really great visit. And then um, the next week he got voted, his, his governor got voted out. And so he was gone. So I was like, well, that's kind of stupid. But um, that, that is what I thought of is like, you make all these plans and have all these ideas and then your guy gets voted out, and then there's somebody else who's going to do what he wants for four more years or whatever. So um, just the idea that we – but but again, and it doesn't – it's not a, one party or the other, but we put so much emphasis and focus on this – this our government and and the people who are going to lead us in, in our, you know, in our nation right now. But they're going to be there for four or eight years, and then they're going to go on to somebody else, and those things are going to go away, and – um, while it may be good for that period of time, or it may be bad for that period of time, it doesn't last forever. And the things that God does, that the good things that God does, do last forever. Yeah, I, I don't understand either. People seem to get so caught up that's like, well, if our guy got in, then everything would be great. But even if your guy did get in four or eight years later, it's not there anymore. And yeah. Uh, I mean, if we if we step back and take the take look at the framework of this psalm, as you said, like not saying you need to praise, but saying what should you praise? He's kind of just looking at the character of what it is that we should put our trust in, that we should praise. And I think it's very interesting to con to contrast the a prince with someone who does the things like giving food to the hungry, mm -hmm. lifting up those who are bowed down. The one thing I had is a lot of these points, I mean, obviously we did not create the heaven and the earth and we can't keep faith forever, but generally who's executing justice for the oppressed? Who is giving food to the hungry? I mean, I, obviously the Lord has miraculously done that, but most of the time it's us that's doing that. Yes. So uh, I'll be, uh, if, if we're going through a, a stream of consciousness here, when I read that, you know, there's a part of me that, that, I work with people every day who do not have justice and they are oppressed. And I work with people who are hurting, who have not been raised up. So there's a, there's a piece of me that, that wants to say, or, or could look at that and say, well, where are you doing that? How are you doing that? Now, of course I know, I know that what we're doing now is temporary. Okay. And I know, I mean, I know God cares about what's happening now and our suffering that we deal with now is real. And, and so I don't think it is, we're not only, I, I, we read through the Bible, and I've talked about this before, but we read through the Bible, and there are people who suffer for their entire lives. I mean, there are people who are in slavery in Egypt their entire lives and did never get to see the promised land or did never get to see the promises that came. So we're not guaranteed that. Um, but even though even though the eyes of the blind may not be open here on earth, even though the, the people may be oppressed their entire time here on earth, we are the ones who are God's hands and feet on earth to do these things. If we are going to be in this kingdom, 
if we are going to praise the Lord rather than these princes or mortal men, then we should be seeking these things as well. And I think that's definitely consistent with other things throughout the Old and New Testament. Yeah, where do we put our focus? Who do we go to bat for? Who do we go to the mat for? Where's our line in the sand? Is it which political or which politician gets voted in? Or is it which oppressed person actually gets help? Um, I certainly don't want to hold myself up as, as any kind of model for that. But I, I am curious a lot. There's a lot of political argument about poor people and disadvantaged mm-hmm. people. And I, I really wonder sometime, well, you've just spent hours arguing about it. Like how many people did you actually help? Did you actually move to a disadvantaged neighborhood and actually try to act the Clearly many, many people do. Yeah. But I just get the impression a lot of the, the higher level political debate I suspect that a lot of the politicians haven't actually, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are exceptions and we should look positively to when there are exceptions, but I, I just wonder if many of them have actually gotten their hands dirty if no one was actually watching them with cameras. And obviously yeah. some have. I mean, that's famously, yeah. you, you find some that do, but I think that shows the... Well, and let me go, let me just take that a little bit. It's easy to pick the politicians, and I'm obviously yeah. as much as that's I, say, I don't want to hold myself up because I, I'm not like a paragon <laughs> of it. And but and so, well, just thinking about, um, I, I think, and I don't want to go into this too much because I, I don't have I don't have shoes on as we tape this, and I don't want to step on my own toes here. Um, but I think even in churches, we can talk about how the poor and needy need God, and and all you know all those things. But if we, it's still, where are we putting our trust? Where are we putting our prayer? Are we still, um, are, are we doing things to teach those people? Or, or are we doing things to, it's not just, are we doing things to lift people up? Are we doing things to love, um, love the righteous, protect the strangers, um, support the fatherless and the orphans? Are we are we actually doing those things or are we just um, using those as, as um, talking points sometimes? I don't have a really good way to finish that up. I just, I'm concerned for myself. I don't want to be so focused on where well, I'm going to praise God because things in my life are good, but I'm not going to do these things and, and involve myself in doing some of these things that God wants me to do. It's hard and it's uncomfortable. And it's dangerous. And those are all three opposites of what many of us have been brought up to believe is the point of life. Yes. Well, I hope for you and I, then for you and me, then we can try to be different. I think if we're not looking at the scriptures as a mirror and seeing ourselves wanting, we're probably not looking. Well, and I think that's very close. Honestly, I think that's the point of the Psalm to me, in my opinion, if we're going to praise God, we, we, there are all these problems in the world. If we're going to praise people or look to people to fix those problems and, and let me to be in charge of fixing those problems, if we're going to look to the, the government or the local government or organizations or um, whatever to, to take care of those things, and we aren't personally um, doing that, then um, I, I don't feel, I feel like that we're still putting our trust in mortal man whose thoughts and ideas about how to deal with, with poverty 
and and fatherless and widows and prisoners and all that stuff that they're in hunger if if i'm just trusting the people to do it rather than trusting god to do it through me then i don't think that we're really uh, i think we're still putting our trust in other people rather than rather than god so you have an interesting perspective as an actual licensed social worker that's actually helping people that are often disadvantaged what's it like for them do they feel patronized when people are helping them do they feel uh like the government should be doing it i mean your uh your mission does uh, right family outreach right so like what what is well i mean we we have a deal we have a foster care program and a single parent program um our our children are most some of our children are not technically fatherless however um a lot of them are struggling Uh, yeah and then, um, practically speaking, uh, and then we have a single parent program for families with, you know, trying to get back on their feet. <clears throat> um, you know, the thing is that people, boy, um, people do feel patron patronized whenever somebody's just trying to give them something. But then again, they like it just when people give them something. Cause there's no, there's no expectation on that. Um, I think the thing that's really difficult is is having a relationship with people who have not had good relationships. Um, in our in our setting, people who <clears throat> excuse me, people who have been hurt by other people, people who have just been for years told, "Oh, you've got a problem. Here's a here's a check, or here's a um, you know, here's twenty dollars, or here's a handout, or here's." whatever, or no, we can't help you, or no, we're not doing anything for you. Um, when when help has got um, restrictions or help has got conditions, then that creates this, and I've used this phrase a lot more in this podcast than any other time in my life, but this transactional relationship that I'm going to do something for you so that you can do something for me. I'm going to, um, you know, do this. I don't, I don't know what that would be. Um, you know, um, I've got to act a certain way so that you can give me money or I've got to be a certain level of sad and pathetic so that you can support me. Um, but I think to, to be in a relationship with somebody where they, you learn the truth about them and what they're really like. And then you say, okay, um, you know, that's okay. I love you anyway. Um, I'm still going to be here for you is, um, that's really the difficult piece. And I don't know, there's, look, I'm, I'm not going to even pretend I'm smart enough to figure out all the financial stuff about this or the social stuff. But the, the, the people that I work with anyway, are, um, they, they have trouble trusting because they have been, um, they haven't had real true unconditional love relationships with people. And that's hard because you try to do something for somebody and you care about them and then they hurt you and they let you down, they let you down and they, you, you give and give and give and work for somebody and work for somebody. And then they turn around and tell somebody bad things about you or they, you know, what, whatever it is. Um, but that's what God does for us. Um, God doesn't love us because of what we do for him. Um, God loves us because we're his children and so um, 
I, I don't know. That's that's probably another probably a lot longer than what you wanted. But um, loving people, <laughs> loving people, period, is difficult. But loving difficult people is or, or hurt people. That's not that's probably not fair. Loving hurt people is is especially difficult. This is probably too big of a conversation to open, but I'm going to do it anyway. But do you feel like the governments we do have should play a larger role? I, I So from my perspective, I've lived for uh, f- almost 15 years in Germany, and uh, Germany has a much uh, stronger involvement in everyday life uh, for disadvantaged and advantaged people. I mean, you pay a generally a much larger percent of your paycheck and taxes, and you get a lot more back. Um, I would say, for with some exceptions, with some people who might feel differently, uh, most people feel much more transactional about it. And uh, while there certainly are generous people in Germany as well, there's, from my personal experience, a lot more people are less interested in donating money or helping... Because the government's going to... Because they're like, well, why should I? Government will take care of them. they already taken X percent of my paycheck. And like I said, there are exceptions. I don't want to blanket uh, that all Germans are stingy or something. That's certainly not true. But there's, I have noticed there's a lot more kind of a transactional feeling. And there's a lot more people that are that know exactly how to play the game to get all the money coming back. And at some time, you know, it kind of, you paid more up front. And I mean, I think that there are some things that work a lot better. And I think there's some room for that. But just having, you know... Uh, a government that provides for you more doesn't just make this amazing thing where everyone's happy and everything. I mean, there are some practical things that I think actually do work better in Germany than here, but there is the, the, the flip side where it just turns into a more trans- transactional kind of thing. And it, it, that's what I've noticed. And not that I think in some ways, I don't think our system here works particularly well, but there does seem to be more room for people to want to help each other financially or otherwise. Uh, some people say, Oh, well, that's just because you know, the government isn't actually providing them. That's a, that's another topic. But in any case, even with the government that provides a lot more for you directly, like, like in, in Germany, doesn't just fix all your problems. And even if it fixes some of your pragmatic, practical problems, and maybe there's room for that, maybe that's a good thing. That, that's not the end of your life. I mean, it's not like the, the meaning of life. It doesn't provide value in the deeper sense. And I think putting your faith in that again, you're going to be disappointed. So, you know, whether the government, I, I've, I've always kind of thought that the government has taken over a lot of the things that Christians should be doing. I mean, if, if we were doing what we should be doing, then there wouldn't be as much need. However, the need is probably greater. Um, I feel like there's some of that that's self-sustaining, that it creates a dependency. But I think if we just go past the idea of just the the physical financial th- help and support that people get um, when we, I, I think that it's just very important for us to like, going back to the song, who do we trust to, to, to take care of that? And it's not just about who do we trust to make sure this person has a, a, a house and utilities and a vehicle and a job, but who do we trust for that person to feel loved? Um, Cause the government can give people money, but it, it doesn't help them feel loved or supported or um, so, you know, I, that was kind of my point. There's absolutely a room for discussion of practically how governments can do things better. And I don't think many people could claim that we have a perfect system in the United States or in Kentucky. Uh, they'd be crazy if they thought that, but, uh, and maybe there's things that could be done better. Uh, but 
at the end of the day, like you said, the, putting your faith in a government, even if the government right now works great, that government won't last forever and someone else will come by or the demographics will change or your country will get conquered by another country, which has happened countless times in history. And if your faith is in that, and ultimately you're going to be disappointed, even if there are differences. And I mean, I'm not saying like, oh, it doesn't matter then. I think there are things that absolutely matter and there are systems that work better than others. And that should be part of the conversation for people who are smarter than us. But ultimately, if you're putting your faith and hope in that, well, you're going and, to and be And it goes back to kind of the idea, what is, what is the goal? When, when we have people in, in poverty, people who are the fatherless and the widows, people who are bowed down, which we could probably have a discussion about that, but I don't, I'm not prepared for that. Um, the oppressed, what's the goal for them? It, from, a, from a Christian perspective, my goal is not to make sure that person has a, a nice vehicle or a vehicle. I mean, that'd be great if they do. Um, my goal is not just to make sure they person that person has, you know, enough clothes to wear every day, although that would be nice too. But my goal is that they know that that God loves them. And if I just focus on, and I'll, let me tell you, I'm 50 years old, Kenan, and I, I've spent most of my life thinking all that's being taken care of by the government. They're, the, the poor are being taken care of by the government. Um, but, but I think we're missing the point in some ways because we need to be sharing with them that God loves them um, and that God will not that, <laughs> oh boy, here we go. Um, I'll say this and I'll quit. But it's not that Lee Folks sets the prisoners free and Lee Folks opens the eyes of the blind and Lee Folks raises up those who are bowed down, but God does that. I, I don't have the ability to do that. I can be an encouragement to people who are struggling. I can be an encouragement to the, the orphans and the widows, but God is the one who raises them up. God is the one who meets their needs. And when we trust in our government to meet all those needs, then we just kind of go on about our way and we don't really think about how we can reach out to be to, to connect them to God who can really solve their problem. Uh, yeah, I, I would say that we probably, no, we definitely should understand that, that it doesn't mean this doesn't matter. I mean, because you could take this to one extreme and say, oh, oh well, you no, know, no, no. They'll take, God will take care of them. Don't trust any government and not lift your finger to actually improve things. Because it's easy to say, oh, God loves you to someone who's being oppressed and you don't even do things right. that oh, might absolutely. make your life uncomfortable or make, et cetera. And so I think that that's what a lot of people might look at in um, various systems, ours or whatever, that, to say that, well, it's fair enough to say, for you to tell me that God loves me, but why did you vote for that politician that, in my perception, right. did well, it, X so, so that I can't do Y? Yeah. Oh, I, so yes, I did not mean to leave that impression at all. Um, because I think we don't, you know, that was it. James says that you don't just say Godspeed could be well, be warm and well fed. I mean, you, you do something. And I think you, if you truly have compassion on somebody as you come into contact with them and that's on a personal basis, that's not just on a, on a, maybe there's some things on a national basis that can be done or a local basis can be done, but just on a one-on-one -on -one basis, I can't just walk by somebody and, and, and if I truly love them and have compassion on them and they are in need, I can work. To, I will work to meet that need if I truly have compassion. Um, and, and that's 
the government can't have compassion on people necessarily. It's it's a it's a business. We've talked about the government too much, Kevin. Sorry. <laughs> well, but I would put in a good word that there are occasionally, maybe less often in our recent times, but there are occasionally in, throughout history good leaders who really did seem to be centered and they were humans and they were imperfect. But I think the ones that recognize the higher power and that actually tried to go after these things. But when their spirit departed, they returned to the earth and on that very day their plans perished. So Exactly. And that, that's the end. To put your faith and hope in them is not is not a lasting proposition, but I still think oh, you yeah. can you can judge leaders by the rest there. You know, is it a leader that understands that his days are limited, that he doesn't try to have the hubris of thinking I'm going everything I do is going to work? Just someone who actually tries to execute justice for the oppressed, that tries to give food to the hungry, and understanding that it's not through their own power, but it's actually the Lord working through them. I think those are the kinds of qualities that we should be looking for in leaders, not to put our faith in them, but as a litmus test for is this leader following the Lord first? And I mean, I think a a good leader who follows the Lord can do amazing things for the world. Ultimately, they do die. Ultimately, it doesn't change everything. But that doesn't mean it doesn't matter. Well, so I love that it ends at the end of this. Again, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Um, You know, just again, that, that God's forever. And I think, you know, I, I feel like we've gone all around the mulberry bush here with this, but I, I, I do think it's just very important for us to, and I think that's what this Psalm is saying, is that we have to trust that God is the one who's going to do all those things and we work with him and don't just expect other people to do it. Don't just take, give responsibility for reaching out to people, to mortal man, to princes, to governments, to the powers that be that it's it's at the end of the day it's we individually are allowing god to work through us to connect with and to meet the needs of the people who are out there who are and, and i'll say this i i think we feel this you know people who are struggling these people who are in this list the oppressed the hungry the prisoners the blind those are the people who are most open to a message that god can god can free them that god can release them um, so I think we miss out when we don't take advantage of those opportunities. Well, definitely I, there's something you wrote that these should all be characteristics of us. And this is a great Psalm for one of many parts of the scriptures that show us the character of God. If we have ears to hear it and while we can't be God and we can't be that, you know, which direction are we going? And it's not that this, what are these rules that if you meet all these rules, you're great and holy, but like, what, what direction are we going? Are we trying to be more compassionate for the oppressed? Are we looking to seeing what we can do in our limited scope if we're not a politician or a leader? Are we uh, trying to lift those up who are, who are bowed down? And we're not always able to, but is that the, our, our heart to want to and, do and that? And the one last thing I'll say, or I don't know, it's the last thing, I won't make you promises. Um, it doesn't have to be a big thing. Uh, us, you know, for me to say I, I need to raise up those who are bowed down, it's not that I have to go create some big program to raise up people who are bowed down. I, it's just that as I go on my way, I'm going to meet people who are struggling, whose whose eyes are downcast, who are um, in need, and I can be an encouragement to them 
but not so that I get the glory myself, but so that I can point them to God who's working through me. Um, and I, I think that's really, um, it, th that's a, the, cause I start to go, how can I do this for everybody? How can I execute justice for all the oppressed? Well, I can't, but maybe I can do one or, you know, one at a time or just the people I come into contact with. Well, I would say that you're doing your best that I, as far as I can tell, working for an organization that is literally trying well, to uphold the widow and the fatherless. So from verse nine, well, so, so it's, uh, I think that's great. I appreciate that. You can send your donations to, no, I'm just kidding. We're not a sponsor. It's not, we're not a sponsor. <laughs> so, um, so before we transition, Kenan, into um, the next, the, the next song that we're going to do, do we, I uh, hear we have some reader mail, some listener mail. Oh yeah. We got a, a got our first super. Do you want feedback with content. Yeah. So I'll, I'll read this out loud and hear what uh, you have to say about this. Um, for one of our listeners. So uh, it says, I'm caught up with listening to Lee and your podcast. I'm enjoying them. I've appreciated the openness you both bring to your discussions. In Psalm 95, I'm struck again with the account of Massah and Meribah. The comments about that also in Hebrews 3, 12 through 19. It was because of unbelief that the Israelites were condemned. And it is because of unbelief that we today may be condemned. I believe that Bible teaches belief that can be questioned and compared and contrasted with reality. If God is reality will reflect him. And it does. Praise to God. Love you, mom. <laughs> <laughs> so we have at I least one listener, Lee. That's right. That's the best. Yep. So, um, so far that's, that's the best. Um, that makes me happy. No, we do appreciate that. And so, um, what is it? What, what do you think about the unbelief? Are, do people believe I mean, you could argue a lot of people don't believe the Bible or don't believe it, but do people believe in anything? Oh, that's a deep question. Um, you know, I was out that that Psalm um, actually was doing a uh, a video. I, I was asked to do a video for a church where I used to be a youth minister, um, so they could put it kind of for their social media thing for this week. And I did Psalm ninety five um, and focus on that, and you know. If, if you're going with unbelief with the, what the Israelites did, they had seen, and it says in that Psalm, they had seen over and over the works that God had done. And yet when they got into trouble, they didn't believe that God could deliver them or that God would deliver them. Maybe they thought he could, but didn't think he would. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, do people, I, I don't know if I would say that people don't believe in anything, but um, I do think that we, we definitely take things into our own hands. We don't do things that God may ask us to do because we think it's too hard or we don't want to. And so we want to depend on our own selves. Um, but yeah, that's a tough, that's, that's a tough one. I don't know. What do you think? Do you have an answer to that? Well, just reading the, the passage that uh, the, the listener uh, <laughs> referred to in Hebrews, referring to the, the time at the waters of Meribah with the rebellion, you know, the, these are the people who were literally in Egypt. They saw, they had heard, and, and yet they still rebelled. And in the, the, the final verse in, in chapter 3 there of Hebrews was, they were unable to enter because of unbelief. You know, they could have gone into the promised land, but they were the ones who didn't believe. And because they didn't believe, they couldn't enter in. And I, I do wonder sometimes how much of, um, how much of what God offers us we, I mean, probably most of it, we can't really experience it if we don't believe. And 
at the end of the day, belief is kind of a, a choice. I mean, the, the the listener here in the email refers to uh, mm-hmm. is of the opinion that uh, that a belief that can be questioned and compared. It's not just like a I believe without any uh, caveats or you know a blind belief or something like that. But at the end of the day, I think most people choose to believe something. Right? You can be you can have a weight of evidence, but at the end of the day, it's kind of a choice because you can't ever completely understand everything. So at the end of the day, you're going to take what you understand and choose to believe it or not. Um, I had two thought processes while you were talking, and then I, but I was trying to listen to you too, and so I, I lost one of them. But um, one, maybe that other one will come back to me. But one of the things that was, I've, I've been listening, I've been listening to Tim Keller a lot. I've mentioned that before, but um, one of his sermons that he that I just that he's actually a theme that he kind of brings up over and over again is um, like he talks about with, uh, with Job going through the the struggles that he went through struggles that putting lightly, but that he never knew God didn't say to him, Hey, if you'll just hang on here for a little while, this will be okay. Um, if you hang on for, for another six months then this will be over because then Job is serving God for what he's going to get out of it. And instead, God says, just serve me and trust me and trust that it will be okay. And you don't have to know all the details. You don't have to know all the things that will come up. And so um, that's that to me is is kind of goes back to that, is that God wants us to believe him even when we don't know what it's going to look like. And and the people, um, oh, and maybe that's what I was, the other thing I was going to say, uh, <laughs> I think over and over and over through the Old Testament stories of God leading Israel, God told the Israelites what he wanted for them, and he told them what he needed, and and they consistently refused to listen. And so then he pretty much gave them over to what they wanted to do. He said, if you, if you want a king, I'll give you a king, and you'll hate it, and you'll be miserable. And sure enough, they were, and, and um, they wanted to follow the other idols, and so they you know, God let them, you know, okay, see if those idols can save you. And they couldn't. Um, I think I, the more I read and the more I look at that, I, I think that's one of the major themes that God allows us to follow who we want to follow. And if we want to follow ourselves, then we're going to suffer for that because I'm not a good, I'm not good, <laughs> good enough to, to, to do all those things to, that I need to have done. So, um, just trusting him and trusting that he is good and will protect us and, and lead us, even if it's difficult and even if we don't understand, um, that's what that's what belief really is. Well, it's like St. Thomas, the blessed are those who believe and didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I still wonder sometimes, I, I, and this is obviously me being uh, hubris, but it seems to be different. For They literally saw the Red Sea parted. And they didn't mm-hmm. believe. And I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I would have believed in that case, but I, I probably would not have. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's it's hard to say, but um, yeah, it's pretty crazy. All right. Well, well anyway, wanna... so what's our next psalm? So I kind of arbitrarily, not arbitrarily, I, I looked for one. Um, and Psalm 142 is the, um, this is for, from David. Um, and it's when he's in a cave, and I have, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about this, so I'm just going to read this. Hold it for next okay. week, Lee. Yeah, I know. I'll save my, I'll save my 
incredible insight till next week. But um, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't either. Uh, but anyway, so I'll just read Psalm 142 and get some of your feedback here. Um, but this is David. He's in a cave. Um, it says, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before him. I declare my trouble before him. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path. In the way where I walk, they have hidden a trap for me. Look to the right and see, for there is no one who regards me. There is no escape for me. No one cares for my soul. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Give heed to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring my soul out of prison, so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. And I'll say first that one of the reasons I chose this is because um, I think we focus on a lot of the Psalms that have um, this, this cry for help, but then there's an answer that comes with it. And I wanted to focus on one where there's a cry for help and there's no resolution in this, in this incident. Um, I think we can look historically and see that there is a, a, an answer. But um, anyway, that was my, one of the reasons I chose this one. I look forward to reading this at least twice. <laughs> uh, no, meditating on this and thinking about it. I, I noticed that, that there's not a resolution from God, but what I, what struck me was the final end did kind of end in a positive note. He was saying, you know, I'm bringing my complaints to you. I have all these problems. I cry out to you, please rescue me. And in the end, he says, the righteous will surround me for you will deal bountifully with me. That's just the end of, uh, ends on a note of faith. That's what struck me. Yeah. Which beautifully enough ties back to our previous discussion about, you know, um, well, all, several of our discussions. What happens when things aren't going our way? What happens when things are not going the way that we want them to? What happens when it doesn't seem like God is answering our prayers or hearing our cries? Do we say, like the Israelites did, I, I want to go back? Why did I even follow you in the first place? Or do we deal with David like David's doing and say, you know what? This is really awful, but I know that you will deal bountifully with me. And I think that's the, I mean, that, that really ties all that together, to be honest, Kenan. Um, you and our, our intrepid listener um, have pulled all that together, that we've got the choice of how we handle the difficulty. Well, that's the question for us this next week, is what do we choose to believe? What do we choose to praise? And what do we choose to put our faith in? Uh, we won't get into it, but it's interesting to see different reactions to in this pandemic to the government authorities, something we've talked about offline a bit. Um, it's May 23rd, 2020, and things are starting to open up again, at least here in Kentucky. And there's just a varying range of reactions to guidelines that have been placed and interesting times to be alive. I hope <laughs> that we can put our faith in, not in princes or in governors or in presidents. I guess presidents works better than, because it rhymes with Prince, whatever. But yeah. Well. Uh, anyway, I I uh, wish all of you listeners grace and peace in this coming week, and hope to talk to you again soon. With yep, absolutely. Y'all have a good week.